Rebels, it's that time. Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. Hope you're having a great day. We've got a good podcast for you today. And this portion of the podcast is sponsored by MyPillow. MyPillow.com. And you get to use the code word REBEL. Pick up a four-pack of pillows. Huge discount with the code word REBEL. I know people are asking all the time, like, Ryan, seriously, is the hype really worth it? And I got to tell you, I got my pillow pillows. They are so amazing. I'm totally picky about that kind of stuff. I had a uh, memory foam pillow, and I couldn't wash it, and I started thinking about it too much, and it was grossing me out because I've had it forever. And I got a MyPillow pillow because I've seen the commercial a billion times, and I Love it so much. I got it for Laura. Now the kids have it. We got travel pillows. I'm so obsessed with my pillow. And the big deal, the big difference for me, one, it's just, it's softer. Like my memory foam pillow was hard and my head constantly got hot with it. And the my pillow pillows, they're soft, they're airy, and yet it still supports my head in the way that I want it to. So mypillow.com, use the code word rebel. Enough about that, although I love it so much, I can never stop talking about it. I'm so into it. I can't believe they sponsored Rebel Parenting. I'm so stoked. So thank you, MyPillow. Love you guys. And we're going to have the guy that invented MyPillow on the program pretty soon. So I'm stoked about that too. Anyway, today's podcast is with Trisha Goyer, and she has a book called Calming Angry Kids, Help and Hope for the Parents in the Whirlwind. And Here's the truth. I'm more of an angry parent than having an angry kid. And we get so many requests for what do I do when my kid freaks out? What do I do when my kid gets just so crazy and so angry? Trisha had serious real world help. This is such a great podcast. It is so helpful. It is guaranteed to help you if you've got angry kids. So without any further ado, here's Trisha Goyer on today's episode Rebel Parenting. What's up, Rebels? So good to see you. Hi, Rebels. Oh, we have a great interview today. We're talking to Trisha Goyer, and we are going to talk about how to calm down angry kids. I'm secretly hoping we talk about calming down angry dads, but um, that Oh, we can talk about that, too. Yeah. That's in there. (laughs) It is. I was so glad. You know, before we jump in, I just want to say I was so glad you included... Uh, food additives and things like that in your book because I don't think anybody else is talking about how diet can affect emotions and anger and I think science is definitely getting down that road but to have you put it in a book we were like woohoo good stuff we appreciate it oh good there's so many things that cause anger I mean that's the kind of the hard part is trying to pinpoint what it is yeah definitely yeah, totally so for those that don't know you you have three biologicals Six adopted girls, one adopted boy. That is a total of 10, <laughs> 10 years, 10 children. That's amazing. And the reason I say that is because you've adopted at different ages and different levels. <clears throat> so when it comes to the topic of anger and calming angry kids, you know a lot about this. Mm-hmm. So what was the beginning of your journey when you're like, you know what? I mean, I know you've written 70 books, so... Wow. Just a few. Let's be an overachiever here. (laughs) When did you look at this and go, you know what? There's not a good enough resource out there for calming. I mean, you see it in 
Walmart. You see it in a supermarket. Mm-hmm. McDonald's. My kids took at a, church. Uh, you see it everywhere. My kids yeah. took an archery class, like beginning archery class. And there was a little girl in it and she freaked out and like slammed the bow down. And the coach was super old school. He had to be in his 60s. I love this guy. He's like, hey, you can't do that with my bow. Go sit down. And the parents didn't know what to do because an adult chastised the child in public. And that can't happen. It was all millennial parents and then me. And I was way older than they were. This little girl's like hitting her dad going, eh. And it was clearly, it was not a diet. It was not a you know, a past trauma. It wasn't a a PTSD. This was a bad parenting situation. Mm -hmm. But what made you say, I have got to step in and put myself out there and talk about the issue of angering children? Yeah. Yeah. Well, after we started adopting kids, we went to, we were able to go to trauma therapy, which we got so much help. But then I had other parents parents who'd adopted, parents who hadn't adopted, saying, how do you do this? How do you deal with these kids? And I try not to share too much because I'm a public figure. I try not to share much on Facebook. So it's really people who kind of knew me, knew my family. I mean, they saw us at church with a kid in the foyer, you know, full fit and us or a child, a teenager locked in the bathroom stall in an angry moment at church as I'm trying to like deal with that. So they kind of saw that. Mm -hmm. And then when they needed help with their own kids, I started getting phone calls. I started getting text messages like, how do you deal with this? And it was things that I had learned in trauma therapy because when I first got these kids, I'd been a mom for 23 years. We went through the DHS training and I'm like, I don't even know why I'm here. Like I've done this mom thing. Like this is going to be a breeze. Like these kids don't know what's coming. It's going to be the best mom ever. And instead it was like, I have no idea what to do with these kids. Um, we adopted the five-year-old and the two-year-old from foster care it was a five-year-old girl and a two-year-old yeah. boy. And I just remember just being so overwhelmed. We, we finally got into trauma therapy and it was a 25-year-old intern. And I walked in there with my notebook and her name was Brittany. And I'm like, Brittany, tell me what to do with these children. So she was like almost the age of my oldest son. And I had no idea how to deal with it. So people were coming up to me and just saying, how do you calm these kids? And so it was just things that I had learned in therapy that were really helping. That were so outside of the box of what I had done raising the first three kids. We didn't have these kind of big anger issues. Yeah. And once I started helping a lot of people, I'm like, okay, this needs to be mm. a book. Oh, so fantastic. Perfect. You know, let's dive right in. I'm not going to throw people under the bus, but I, years and years, and I mean, well over two decades ago, I was in a group and there was a child that had a past abuse experience. And I heard their dad say, not to them, but wondering aloud, like, when are they going to get over this? And I went, oh. <gasps> Yeah. You know, it was, oh, I, oh, that's, I can't imagine getting over a situation like that. But trauma, abuse, things like that, where you get these, you know, what seems like crazy outbursts. You see, you have, you have a thing in the book. It's, I know I said I wasn't going to do that, but trauma and the truth behind mad. Talk about, Mm -hmm. because I think there's so much of that out there. And, as a parent, how do you deal with that? It, you know, it's something that you hope never happens, and it does sometimes happen. And then you want you want your kid to feel better, and yeah. yet at times they're not going to feel better. Mm-hmm. So, what right. do you do with situations where, if you are a foster adopt, or you are an adopted at an older age, or you adopt from another country, or you've got a trauma past? What do you do with that? What is the truth behind that? 
Yeah, well, let me give you a story that kind of illustrates this really good. So we had a, a six-year-old that burned herself on a camping trip. So she's the one we adopted as a newborn, and she doesn't have a lot of the anger and the trauma things because we got her as a newborn. And it was, and she's still involved with her birth mom, and so it's a really good situation. But she got burnt on a camping trip, and then she had a huge blister on her hand. So I'm trying to like take care of her. Well, one of her teen sisters, who was 13 at the time, we were all. I was on the trip with all the girls. We was like a outing with them, and she said, "Oh, I burnt myself last night on the s'mores." And I said, "Okay." And she grabbed the ointment from me, and I said, "Just a minute, I need to help your sister." Well, in that moment, I saw her face flash worry, anger, pain. It was like that simple. I'm dealing with a screaming six-year-old. I grabbed the ointment back from her and said, just a minute, I need to help your sister. And all of a sudden it triggered that no one cared for her, Mm. that she had been abandoned, that she wasn't as important, that we loved her sister more, that she was new to our family. And so all of a sudden she's like, I don't want to be in this family. I don't want to be adopted. And she started running into the woods. Well, then her sisters, we adopted four siblings. They were between 11 and 14 at the time. And all of a sudden, one of her sisters is with her, like, I'm running away with you. The other one's crying because she doesn't want to leave camping. The oldest one is crying because her sisters are going to ruin this. And because they had a failed adoption before us. And all of a sudden, I'm going to send them all back. And then I still have the crying six-year-old that is burnt. And so all of a sudden, in that moment... Because of that trauma trigger, I have five very upset, crying girls. Two are running into the woods. Um, One is chasing them, telling them that I'm going to send them back. And that's the moment where I couldn't have anticipated that. I never thought in that moment when I took that ointment. So it really is understanding um, when they have pain in the past, it's as real to them in the moment as it was five years ago or three years ago, whenever Mm. it was in that moment, she felt abandoned. She felt unloved. She felt unworthy and nothing I could say really would have helped at that moment. So, and that's one thing parents try to do in that moment of, of explaining to your child in a rational way that your feelings aren't real. It's not my fault. This is someone else's fault. It's not your fault. It's not my fault, but it's certainly not my fault. And you shouldn't feel this way because I didn't mean it the way you're taking it. And that doesn't ever work. No. Right. And see, that's a big moment, but there's little moments throughout the day when something I would say would trigger that and they'd be in their room. And the worst thing, which I I did at first, I learned later is the worst thing when I'm trying to explain, when I'm trying to have a teaching moment Mm -hmm. and when they're emotionally peaked, there's no thoughts that are getting through. It's like Charlie Brown's teacher, wah, 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 <laughs> like wah. nothing's going through. Yeah. And when you're telling them, calm down, stop doing that, behave, act right, you're not justifying that they are honestly angry for a reason. There's a reason behind it. So what so do what, you do so in so that what moment? You, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. <laughs> so going back a little bit, one thing that we have to do with our kids is teach them how to react when they do get angry. So okay. we teach them how to make a sandwich. We teach them how to go potty on the toilet, like all these things. And so ahead of time, you can say, you know, there's going to be times when you're angry. And, and a lot of times it's justified. I mean, sometimes their sibling did say something rude or the neighbor was a bully. So there's justified anger, but you can't in turn act out. And so one of the things that we create is calming bags. These are for the little ones and older ones. They kind of can figure out their own calming skills. But so one of the things we have is, and in fact, I just made up again last week when we, before we went on a trip, 
We had Play-Doh in there, some bubbles. Um, sometimes we have scripture cards. We had some like fidget things that they yeah. can do. And they can go to that bag and the older ones maybe will read a scripture verse or the little ones will squeeze their Play-Doh. We had stress balls in there. Mm. And you go to your bag and use those things to calm down. And bubbles are really good because they're breathing in, they're breathing out, oh, and it gets yes. them to calm down. Other things are like running their hands under warm water so they can go in the bathroom and just wash their hands. I mean, these are things to get them in the moment to let them calm down. But the hardest thing is for parents to let them go. Because I'd be like chasing them. You don't talk to me that way. You don't hit the wall. You don't do those things. That's like the worst thing that we can do because it's not giving them a chance to come down because we're like mm. continuing to escalate it. And so teach them these things and then let them go. Let them calm themselves them down. It. Okay. Let them have that time and that space. I just want to remind parents, you know, when you're at church or you're in a supermarket You've got to not make it about you and mm -hmm. how you think you look, how you think you're being perceived by people, because those people aren't your family. Those people don't live right. in your home. Those people aren't your kids. Those people aren't your spouse. Those people aren't your nieces, nephews, grandparents, whatever it is. They're not yours. They're strangers. They might be acquaintances. They might be friends at church. And it's not your family. And it's mm -hmm. important to understand, it doesn't matter how I look, it matters over the long run that I get to be a parent for the rest of your life. For the rest of my life, I get to be your parent. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it means that I'm going to look stupid. And sometimes it means that, oh, you big, oh, you're so great with rebel parenting, you're such great parents, look what bad parents you are, you know. It's, <laughs> it's okay, whatever. Yeah. It's not my Absolutely. job yeah. to change their feelings about me. Right. And when I first got the kids, so like the two and a half year old, we'd be at like Chick-fil-A and he'd be like under people's tables eating their fallen fries. And I'd be like, oh, we just adopted him. I like feel like I have to explain. Mm -hmm. And I felt like after a couple of days, God saying, you don't need to explain. Like you don't need, you just need to love the kids because we don't want the kids, you know, we, we don't want them to feel like I'm the adopted kid. If we're going around all the time, I just adopted them. I just got them. Yeah. We're still learning. We just want like, this is my child. We're working on this and then be there for them instead of because I was so concerned, even at the grocery store, I'd be like explaining to the cashier, we just got them last week. And like, they don't need to hear that. They don't need. Yeah. To, they just need to know that they're part of our family now and we will take care of them. Oh, I love that. Grace. That's just grace. total grace. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I hear a lot of grace in that. And I know some parents can be like, really? A calming bag? Really? That's where I have to go? <laughs> I, you don't have to. You can just let your kid be angry and then fight with them all the time. You could be right. They could be wrong. You could drive that wedge between them. Sure. Or you get some bubbles and they can breathe in and out or a fidget spinner and the stress mm. ball and some Play-Doh and a coloring book and whatever and let them know with your actions how much you care. Absolutely. What are some other things? Have you ever done any like physical exercises or in, like jumping jacks or anything like that with them or trampoline work or I'm just wondering. Yeah, absolutely. And for each kid, you could figure out what works for them. Okay. So my my little guy, who's my youngest eight year old boy, he could be in a mad moment, and I could say, "Do you need a big squeeze?" Yeah. And that just like helps calm him down. Or I'll mm. say, "Why don't you go run down to the the light post and back?" And that physical energy for him, like if I told my thirteen year old girl go run to the light post and back, she'd be like that would just make her matter. So for her, it's like <laughs> go to your room, hug your pillow. Turn on your country music. <laughs> like yeah. you could go do that. And so I think for each kid, but definitely definitely some kids for sure, the physical activity, they'll like that or the physical touch. 
one of my little girls I'm like comes into my lap. And like if I did that with some of my kids, they'd be like punching my lap. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. They don't want to be near me. But you, with each kid, I think you have to figure out what works for them, which is kind of hard. But then once you figure it out, it's like the golden ticket. Like yeah, you know this is yeah. the thing that works for you. Mm. What do you tell the parent who – feels the need to fix it now you know where mm-hmm. the kid wants to go and be alone and be alone for the next two hours and I don't want to talk and they feel you know they're feeling blamed they're feeling shame like and maybe they did something maybe they did snap and they yelled or something and rightfully so the kid's angry and they want to fix it now and the kid needs space what do you tell that yeah. parent yeah, definitely. I mean, if the kid needs space, and we don't need to fix it now. And I found sometimes the best time is just telling myself, we'll talk about this tomorrow. Like whatever issue is going on, we don't even need to fix it now. We'll Because t- we have these kids for a lifetime. Like we can deal with this one issue tomorrow. And there's times that they just need to chill out. And But there is times like I have one daughter who is prone to self-harm. So I okay. can't leave her because when she's in that, she's a teen daughter and she's in that place, she'll start cutting. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so she knows that I'm just going to hang out with her and she will, I mean, the thing about teenagers is they will know exactly what will hurt you the most. And so she's just spewing stuff at me. And I, this happened just a couple months ago. I go up there, I was already in bed, so I have my bathrobe on and I know I cannot leave her by herself. And so I go and my heart is pounding. And that's another thing we need to know. Like our bodies will physically react. To like, it. Because our bodies are made to protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. So our hearts will be pounding. Our fists might bow up. We feel the tension in our neck. Our jaws tighten. That is our body's response to anger. And that's our body's doing that to protect us. But we don't need to follow through. Like just if we could keep Amen. ourselves calm. Mm. And so she's just spewing things at me. You're not my mom. I just want my bio mom. And you know, I'm going to run away. I mean, she just knows exactly the things that will trigger me. And I go over and her and her sister share a room. I just sit on her sister's bed. And I'm just like, you know, whatever you say, you're not going to hurt me. And I'm just going to be with you and just let her know I'm just going to be here. And um, one of the books on her bookshelf was a Corey Ten Boom book. And so I just start reading the book and she's just continuing to say things. She's throwing things. She's upset. After a while, she's calming. I'm just sitting there reading and my heart is pounding in yeah. my chest. Like I want oh, to yeah. do everything about you just put a dent on the wall. Stop throwing stuff. Like I want to tell her. But she just needs me to be there and she needs my presence. And then after about 30 minutes, she's like, can I just go get a hug from dad? I'm like, yeah. You know, she was calm at that point. And then she came upstairs. She's like, I'm sorry I treated you that way. I was mad at my sisters and I took it out at you. Mm. And she was able to, 35 minutes after the big eruption, able to go to bed. I was able to like pat her back. She wasn't ready for a hug yet, pat her back. And then I was able, I knew she was safe. I was able to go leave the room. Now, if I had argued with her, if I had told her to stop, if I had to try to tell her how to act instead, Mm -hmm. it would have been an all night thing. It would have, I probably would have been hurt. She would have, you know, probably been prone to, to keep it going, but just giving her that time and just, you can't take it personally. Like Mm -hmm. they know what to say to hurt you. Just like your spouse knows what to say. They know what to say to hurt you the most and you can't take it personally and just let them know. And I tell myself in my mind, she's just saying this. She's trying to hurt me. Mm. Stay calm. And I say these prayers like, God, just give me your peace right now. And just taking my mind, like in reading that book, and it was more like skimming the book, just took my mind off of what she's doing to, okay, let me just stay calm. So what do you say to the angry parents? Because I know a lot of moms that are 
angry. And I know a lot of dads that are angry too. What do you say to them? Yeah. Like when they're modeling the anger. (laughs) Right. And I never thought I was an angry parent. Like I'd raise three. I'm like, I'm a great mom. I don't raise my boys. (laughs) And then these kids move in and I'm like, get back here. I mean, I'm just, just like becoming this person I never thought I was. And I talked to a therapist and this is something that really helped me. She's like, you know, they're trying to get you angry on purpose. Because when you escalate, suddenly it's not about them and their problem. It's about you. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, if they can get you mad, then it's like, you're yelling at me. Look at the way you're treating me. You're mean to me. And so suddenly it's not about how they're acting. Uh... It's not about what just happened. It's not about their actions. It's about you. And then, of course, I'm apologizing. Yep. Next day, they're like, every time you say something, they're going to hunker down. Like, yeah. they're, they're scared of you. So he's, she's, my the therapist is like, when you stay calm, you win. Mm-hmm. And so I even taught that to the other kids. Like, when your sibling's trying to provoke you, when you stay calm, you win. Because mm-hmm. they want you to get mad. Because, of course, if they're in trouble and if they could get their sibling yelling back, then you have two kids in trouble. Yeah. You know, and they're not the only one. Yeah. And so, really, it just helped me. So, that was one thing. The other thing, too, is just really going before God. And I just poured it out. Like, I don't like the way she treats me. I don't like the way she treats other kids. I don't like being talked to this way. Yeah. And just pouring it out there. And, like... God, like I give it to you and help me know how to have compassion and love. And really, he's like, she felt abandoned. She felt hurt. She's putting a wall up, like letting his spirit speak to me. Like she's putting a wall up because she's afraid to be hurt again. Mm. And so just letting him like speak to my heart, just realizing, seeing her as this little five-year-old, just Mm -hmm. being put into foster care, separated from her sisters. It just really helped me to have compassion. And so having compassion and empathy, like we don't want to, like when we have this kid acting out, that's the last thing we want to be is compassionate and empathetic. But when we can have quiet time and let God work on us in those areas, he can show us what's going on. It doesn't even have to be kids in trauma. Mm -hmm. It can be kids that are dealing with whatever in their life and just having compassion and empathy. I think sometimes we expect too much for our kids. Like they're so overwhelmed with life and all the activities and we want them to perform in this Christmas performance. Mm -hmm. We're dragging them here and there. And God's like, just have compassion. Let them be a kid. Be empathetic and kind of pulls you back to being offended, to understanding from their point of view. Sure. Oh, sure. sure. I just had this talk yesterday with a lady at the park who was saying, I feel like I put too much pressure on my six-year-old because she's the oldest of my three. And she was asking me, I don't know what to do about it. And I'm, I'm trying to pull back. And some days I just give her a mental health day. And I'm like, that is awesome. That is what yeah. exactly what you should be doing. Because she's feeling like her six-year-old gets the brunt of it all like you should behave better because you're older than your three-year-old and your two-year-old or whatever the ages are I don't know what the ages are you know but that pressure you're talking about that gets placed on the children and they come from what I gather a loving loving home and no issues going on necessarily you know I mean everyone has issues but right like what you're saying and just to have that empathy and that compassion for the little ones they're mm-hmm. just little kids yeah. they're yeah. just learning we, how to live it. like we think we're helping them by signing them up for all these activities and running them from here to there but really like john and i because years ago when i first had just the three i was like they were signed up for all these activities we we're running like crazy and i was a cranky mom and we never had dinner on the table because we were running from here oh, to there yep. and we just cut out so much from our life we're like okay what's our priorities we want to have dinner together 
We want to be able to read together. We want to serve in church together as a family. And so we only did one activity a year. So they got to pick. They could either do soccer or they could do baseball. They could either do a music lesson or something else. And they only got one thing. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the time we were just home. Mm -hmm. And so I've kind of carried that over with our kids. They're all, all my kids now are in Taekwondo. That's a couple nights a week. They're all together. We're not running everywhere. That's what we do. And the rest of the night we're here as a Mm -hmm. family. We're having dinner together. And kids just want that. They want that time. They would rather have that time with you than being on that baseball team or whatever. I mean, they really want that. And did you get a lot of like uh, pushback from that at all from people? Oh, yeah. And I have pushback from that. And sometimes my kids feel left out. Like, you know, the neighbors are like they're in all like five different yes. things they get it in these tournaments I'm like you know what it's okay like, yeah. we could go watch the neighbor we'll go watch the neighbor and cheer them on but we're not going to go to all those things and all those practices and all you do whatever. is just follow the neighbor for a week and be like we could do this every single day they're like no yeah. stop so I want to get into life stresses because I think it's really important to have perspective on that but I do want to go back to something you said Sometimes our kids do know exactly how to hurt us, and they say really hurtful things. Do you then revisit that in a calmer moment to say, I know you were angry, I know you're upset, and it's really not okay to say these things. That was hurtful, and it does hurt my feelings, and when you say that, it makes it harder to love. I will always love you, I will choose to love you, but it really does hurt my feelings. I do that. And, you know, there's times even, I mean, just last week, I got a door slammed in my face that literally like hit my head Mm. as she's saying horrible things. And I'm like, and the next day she apologized. I'm like, you know what? When you're angry, you hurt me with like, sometimes you physically hurt me, but your words hurt me just as much. Mm. Like I have a bruise on my head, but those words that you say, they hurt me too. And so she's like, I know, I'm sorry. So I don't need to like every time it happens to bring this up. But, you know, they do need to know that you're hurting them. And it just helps them also to have empathy for you. Like, I'm a parent. Like, those things hurt. It's not easy, mm. you know, raising all these kids or whatever it is. And so just let them know. It's not like every time you need to kind of hound them about it. Yeah. But yeah. it is important to let them know. Like, we are real people. We deal with different situations. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask another question to Ben Shapiro. I follow him a lot. I really like it. And he says one of the primary parental jobs is to teach their children when your feelings are unjustified, Mm -hmm. where I feel taken advantage of, or I feel this is unfair and it's not unfair. You have chores to do. Chores are a regular part of your day. All the successful people in life said they had chores when they were younger. And that's how it's going to be. It's like, well, so-and-so doesn't have chores. And they don't have to do this. And they don't have to I'm none. This is unfair. And it's not da-da-da. And understand, you have feelings. Sometimes your feelings are completely unjustified. And it's your choice to overreact or to handle them properly. Mm-hmm. How do we do that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I tell my kids, um, it's my job to raise you to be a responsible adult who loves God. And they hear that over and over again. <laughs> all day long. So when I call, because we have chore charts and they all know what to do. It's not a surprise. And that's one thing, like find a system and stick to it. Mm. Like if you don't stick to it and one day you let it slide 
and then the next day they think they get away with it and then you get mad at them well that's not fair either consistency yeah. consistency, and so we have consistency consistency yeah we have the charts on the wall they know which day of the week which one has the kitchen which one has the living room which one cleans the bathroom which one brings the laundry down they each know their thing so there's really no excuse but then i say it's my job to raise you to be a responsible adult someday you're going to be working for a boss i want to help you now and so i will call them back if the kitchen isn't done right i'll say you know what we need to work on these things it's not like i'm nagging them they just know i'm helping you this is my job to help you and it helps me now that i have three adult kids like that really is my job you right, know cuz right. someday they are going to be gone Two of them are married. Two of them are parents now. And they need to be responsible. So, and it's so important. And the cool thing is, you know, how I mentioned, you know, that time around the dinner table and that time reading together and that time serving together, seeing my adult kids, it's like, this is exactly what we needed to focus on. Mm. Like we have that relationship with them. All my three kids are, one's a missionary, one's a children's pastor, and he works insurance too, but he does children pastor stuff. The other one the 24-year-old helps me out a lot and serves in our home a lot and then also helps and also in children's church. It's like all those things that God was saying, this is what's most important. I realized like that is really what's most important Mm -hmm. is having that time together as a family and serving together as a family. And I think so many times like we want to have kids who love God and, you know, sometimes we homeschool, choose to homeschool or Christian school and all these things, but really getting them in the church and serving and loving other people I think is one of the most important things we can do. And once we talk about that fairness, like this isn't fair, you know, if you get them and like we served at Thanksgiving at our church, seeing the people come in, you know, they can tell by their clothes that they don't have very much. And so it's like, okay, what's it, what's fair? What's not fair is that you have your own room and you have dinner every night and, you know, this child's parent is in prison and they don't have Mm. shoes that fit right. I mean, so really Mm. taking the fairness thing, like it's not fair. And really when you're taking them out and helping, having them serve with you and connect with people in the community, it just kind of makes them understand, okay, I see what mom's saying. It's not like, yes, the neighbor kid has their own TV in the room and their own gaming system in the room and all that stuff, but look at this other kid who doesn't even have shoes. So really helping them see the balance. Like we have one TV for the whole family and we all have to share. Like our 15 year olds don't even have cell phones. (laughs) Like I'm, I'm the the Luddite here that, you know, we're taking it way back, Good job. but that's okay. That's okay. That is okay. Um, It's it's my job until you're responsible. You can't have those things. Can we talk about how to stop this angry cycle before it starts? You know, I think, as parents, sometimes with myself and with my kids, all of a sudden I'm in the midst of an outburst or my kid's in the midst of an outburst. And it's like, wait, where did this come from? What? I mean, we're now I'm, you know, we're toe to toe and it's, you know, if I lose this one, I'm going to lose them all. And the kid's feeling the exact same way. How do you, Laura's dad always says, get mad before you get mad, which Mm -hmm. I thought that was very clever. He's like, you know, before it makes you actually mad, do something about it. Like, don't mm-hmm. wait until you're already in the middle of it. How do you stop that angry cycle? Yeah, well, it's so interesting because when I first went to therapy, it was my two and a half year old. And then later I learned the exact same thing when I went to therapy. It was a different therapist with my 15 year old. So what they had me do was spend five minutes a day with that child. Like, this is an assignment. She's like, this is what you have to do. Five minutes a day, you have to have special toys during that time with my two and a half year old. You have to repeat what he says. So if he says blue car, you say blue car. You have to comment on what he's doing. So you can say, you're lining up the cars. And then you have to praise him. Like, thank you for sharing the car. 
five minutes a day, that's your job. You're not supposed to direct play. You're supposed to just say what they're doing, repeat what they say and praise them. And over time, it builds a bond that when all of a sudden we say, you need to pick that up and throw it in the trash instead of the floor, you've been spending all this time, you're feeling their love tank, you're spending this time, all of a sudden, instead of it being a conflict, they're like, okay. And and I remember going there and thinking, okay, me spending five minutes a day is supposed to help this kid not dump out the milk and not break everything in my house and not have these tantrums. And actually, yeah, after a couple of weeks, he stopped some of those negative things so that he was getting the positive attention. Mm-hmm. Then years later, when I go with our 15 year old after we adopted her, the therapist like, just spend five to 10 minutes a day, paint her nails, sit on the porch with her. And it's Full amazing how even that five to 10 minutes, mm-hmm. that one-on-one time, and they even know it, like she's sitting there and she'll even like, okay, I need my five minute time. Aww. And it's not like, we think just because they know it, like it mm. doesn't matter. No, it she knows it. Matters. and She's going to remind me of her. Yeah. You know, and, and even if I go, go do on an errand, I'll take one of my kids right in the car. They could tell me about Mario game, whatever, for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. Like we are just there having the time with them, the attention on them. And then they fill their love tanks full. And then later, instead of it being a conflict, but when they feel ignored, when we're on our phone all the time, when we're not paying attention to them, when everything else is more important, when Facebook is more important, they're going to act up and they will get the negative, like they want the attention. So if it's negative attention, we've heard this before, but you know, if it's negative attention, attention. they will do it. It's still attention. Isn't it shocking how little time, I mean, five minutes a day, you're like, really five minutes? What about 30 minutes a day? (laughs) But we're not spending five minutes a day in direct interaction with our kids, praising them, telling them how great they are, telling them what a good job they're doing, repeating the things they're saying, loving and hugging on them. We're not spending five minutes a day. And it's shocking how much of an impact five whole minutes can do. That's a shock. What a crazy thing. Yeah, five minutes. It really made a huge difference. Just five minutes. Mm. I have a quick question. What would you say to the mom or the dad that's out there that feels completely alone? Like they think they're the only one that has the angry child. Yeah, they've got like their three-year-old's literally like going straight for the face. And who do you go to? You know what I mean? It's like my child is physically hitting me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we know what the traditional books are going to say, but you feel so alone and you feel ashamed and you feel so guilty as a parent. Like I've done something wrong and no one's going to understand. What do you say to that parent that just is like, you have no idea? I would say you're not as alone as you think. You know, I started a private Facebook group for calming angry kids. Within three weeks, I had 600 people. I mean, this is like there's a lot of people out there that don't know what to do and don't know how to handle it. And I think once you start talking to friends at church, older moms, and I think that's the kind of thing that surprised me when I started talking about this. My you know, older moms that are in their 60s and 70s are like, oh, my child did that when, you know, when you know, he used to say he's your age now and we were dealing with this. And I'm thinking, oh, OK, people deal with this like yeah. anger is a thing and it's been a thing for a while. And it's even it seems like now there's so much more anger. But I think everyone out there is dealing with it in some way. Some um, there's very few parents that are like, oh, I don't have that problem in our home. I have people messaging me all the time and I see them at church and I think, oh, they have a perfect family. And then they're like, OK, we've been having this issue with one of our kids. So mm. I think once you start talking to people about it, sharing about it. Mm. Asking older women for tips or older men or other couples for tips, for help, for advice, letting, asking people to pray. And I had like six good friends 
They live all over the country. When one of my girls was in a big tantrum, like ready to climb out the window and jump out of the I mean, yeah. anytime there's yeah. something happening, I would like text them. And I'm like, can you just pray right now? Mm. I didn't need to text the situation. Yeah. And they were just there and they were praying for me. And there's times like I like within 10 minutes, I could just feel like this is working. This yeah. is yeah. totally helping. And part but of you it, need you know you're not alone. Vulnerable. You're texting yeah, some you're people and you're like, listen, I'm not alone now. Someone else understands where mm -hmm. I'm at, what I'm going through, and they're praying for me right now. I yeah. love that you say you see the perfect family at church and they're messaging you. There's a family I know. They've got a grip of kids, and they dress alike, and they sing in five-part harmony. I'm not kidding. They're homeschooled, and they all play instruments, and they just make everyone else look like terrible parents when you're around them. You just <laughs> yeah. feel like, really? Uh -oh. <laughs> Can you not just come messed up one day? And I was at a private conversation with the dad, and he let slide the painful season he and his family had gone through. And mm -hmm. I mean, it was like being slapped in the face with reality of this family that I am so intimidated by, that I feel so much internal shame when I'm around, has been going through a world of hurt. And I had no idea. Yeah. I just had no idea. And it's what you say. You are not alone. You feel alone. You feel it. Right. But you're certainly not alone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that through this season, God has showed me like I need him more and I need other people mm -hmm. more because I am like a high achieving person. I could write these books and speak and I had my three kids and like we're going, we're doing good things yeah. here. And God's like, okay, wait, let me show you how much you need me and how much you need other mm -hmm. people. Here are these kids. And it has humbled me. <laughs> it bet. has made me depend on other people, made me turn to other people. I mean, when I'm at church and I'm like, there's a teenager screaming in the bathroom and like everyone could hear it it's like all of a sudden we don't look like the perfect family anymore and they understand and they pray for us they give me pizza <laughs> they they like oh they really need some help here and you know they care for us and I needed that in my life yeah. like I needed to be involved in the community and not feel like I had my act all together but we all need each other okay amen I've got one now I love that I love that there are people at your church that reach out and send you pizza and pray for you and do that. What do you do with the haters? The what judgment. What do you do with the judgment? Because, listen, we go to church, and we've got the greatest pastor, and we've got great friends at church, and we've got judgmental haters out there as well that are like, ooh, you thought you were so great. Like, nope, never thought that. But I feel the need to give you my little two cents and my little, oh, you know, what you really are. How do you handle the just crazy judgment that has to come out at times too? When you got a kid who's screaming and they just decide, you know, now's the time I need to put you in your place. Right, exactly. Well, you know, I think I've had a couple of ways. If I know I'm not going to change their mind, I'm not going to change their opinion, I'll just say thank you. I mean, that's all. I don't need to argue. I don't need to say, but if there's those that truly don't understand, I'll kind of inform them like, you know, this is a hard season in our life right now. Um, this is a kid that's gone through a lot. If, if you could pray for us, that would be great. And just get them mm. more aware of mm. what's going on. But there's some, like, it doesn't matter what you say. They're not going to stop that judgment. Yeah. And just saying thank you for that. Um, I'll remember that and just, like, know it's in one ear and out the other. And don't feel like I have to. But if there's some that you really think they just need to understand better about the situation, then I will spend, like, just a minute. Like, this is a real a real hard time. This is, like, what you're seeing now is just a small glimpse of kind of what's we're going. And if you could just pray for us, that would be great. Mm -hmm. That kind of usually, like, oh, okay. Yeah, like, puts it just people makes, back. 
puts people back. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I just wish the answer would be throwing water in their face sometimes. <laughs> Angry daddy. Sorry, I yeah. haven't tried that. I haven't tried that. Like Never a cat. Works. Just squirt, squirt yeah. a spray squirter. Wait, go oh, away, that go would be away. so great. Psst, 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 psst. No. Psst, psst. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Oh. Yes, you know what? And I was watching a video this morning. I was sharing it with our producer and my wife. Of, I think we're taught when we're little that we're responsible for the feelings of those around us. And oftentimes that comes from your parents. That if I feel bad about what you're doing, then you're responsible for my feeling bad. And we're not. And these judgmental people around you, you know, I was in a situation recently where someone just heaped judgment on me and I, it made me so mad. And I was listening to this video this morning and it was like, you are not responsible for the experience, feeling, or opinions of those around you about you. And it's okay for them to have their own experience, feelings, and opinions of you. And you're not responsible for that. And mm -hmm. it just gave me so much freedom. Like, oh, that's right. I have no idea what's going on in their life. I have no idea what's gone on in their past. But none of that's my responsibility either. Yep. Yeah. And my kids will get stuff like, you know, you're not really part of that family because you're adopted. Or, you know, that's not really your sister. I mean, they'll they'll have other kids. Wow. Other people say that. to them. And so, you know, we say, you know, they don't understand. Yep. You know, we could pray for them. I'm they adopted, don't know so that's just like... I would yeah. force, if someone said that to my kid, oh my goodness, would I be at their yeah. front door like, hi, we're going to have a chat right now. Like, <laughs> Usually it's other kids. Oof. And oh. we'll say, you know, they don't, they don't, they understand. don't understand. So, yeah. Oh no, I got, um, I got it my whole life from adults. Do your parents have any real children? I'd be like, nope, just us fake ones. Like, <laughs> what? We're not real. Yeah. 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 You know. Mm. Mm -hmm. Wow, my goodness. So talk about calming down angry like babies, toddlers versus the preteen teen era. Because, you know, it's a different way. You know, we've got the, the little ones and they're flipping out. It's different than a preteen and a teen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the babies and the toddlers, I mean, everything is new in the world. And so, you know, sometimes we like we walked up the steps a hundred thousand times. A step is a big thing to a two year old when they're trying to master it and they can't master it. And all of a sudden they're angry. And so I think so many times we would get so frustrated and just realize like everything's new. They're going to have these emotions. The emotions are new to them. And just not getting so stressed out. I would be so stressed out on these little kids yeah. having these fits. And just realizing, like, just be there, help them, calm them. Another thing, too, is help them by naming the emotions. So one of our daughters, we, she was five years old. When she got hurt, she would get angry. When she got sad, she would get angry. In anything, she would just get angry. And I talked to the therapist. And they're like, you never know what happened. Like, she could have been sad and she could have been made fun of. She could have been hurt and she could have gone, like, fall and skinned her knee and someone could have hit her for interrupting them. Like you never know what mm. she went through. Yeah. You need to train her like what to do with these emotions. And so when she would get hurt, instead of like hitting the wall or getting mad, we would say, okay, you need to come to mommy. When you're hurt, mommy's going to hug you. Like I had a teacher, wow. mommy's going to hug you. I'm going to take you. I'm going to put a bandaid on you. And so we taught her. And so we practice, okay, pretend like you're hurt. Okay. Run to mommy. Mommy's going to give oh, you a hug. That's awesome. So we did this with her well then the funny thing is one day my husband was out there um, on her bicycle and she was just learning to ride well she fell and hurt herself and he's like come here she ran around him and come into the house to see me because we'd only taught her come to mommy yeah and so we had to teach her, okay, 
you can go to daddy too, like daddy. And so sometimes kids, like they don't understand the emotions. They don't know how things go. Yeah. They don't know how to deal with sadness or hurt or all these things. And so you could teach them, like you could role play so many things with little kids and teach them the right way. Now with preteens. Wait, I just gotta, I I gotta jump in for a second. I'm so sorry. You know, we do this, at least we've been trying to teach this rebel parenting about sin. You know, there is this theory of parenting for a long time, and they still exist today, and it's just so wretched, that first-time obedience where you just mm-hmm. punish a child so much that they never sin again, and it doesn't work with us, and we're telling our kids, you know, uh, you know, why can't you get this? And the Lord's like, you haven't gotten it yet either, and you're an adult, you know? And it's just so, it's so kind, and it's so full of grace to teach your kids about emotions. I'm almost 50 and I struggle with my emotions. I struggle with sadness. I struggle with anger. So all these emotional things. I got little tiny kids. I mean, how can they possibly have figured all that stuff out? And so to openly teach your kids about emotion, oh, the grace that you give. My goodness, Trisha, you're so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I know you're jumping at preteens. I love what you said is, it's okay for them to be moody. You don't have to control that. Like, they're going to be moody. It's the I tween thing. Mm. We got a tween, and he is just the greatest. And every now and then he's moody. It's like, I want him to, like, come on, let's be happy. Like, yay. And it's like, you can just be moody. It's fine. I oh. love that. Yeah. And we'll even tell them, like, we'll tell them, like, tell us when you're feeling moody and we'll slide chocolate under your door. <laughs> like, awesome. just let us. And my husband actually has a stash of chocolate. He's like, go to your room, be moody. Tell us you're moody. We're just going to slide chocolate and deal with your emotions. Mm. And so now, especially we have, we have all these girls. And so when it's that hormonal time too, they'll tell us like, just so you know, I'm going to be hormonal the next couple of days. So if I'm acting out, that's why. Like they're oh, aware of it yeah. too. And so we got to teach them like Train we have, them. and I'll say like, I have my times, I'm really cranky. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, you know, I'm just having a cranky day. Mm. Just give me some space and give them permission to do the same thing. Everyone's moody. Boys, like, when I'm they like, hit Go. puberty, they start getting these bursts of testosterone. I had to re-experience that. I started getting testosterone shots like three years ago. And I would just like flip, I would just be like, Argh! I wouldn't know what to do with it. Laura came home one day, I was in the cul-de-sac hitting wiffle balls. I had broken 10 wiffle balls in half. Oh I was so, I just had so much extra testosterone and energy that I was just cracking wiffle balls over and over. I broke 10 wiffle balls, but I needed to do something, you know, and boys, you know, like, oh, you should calm down. Like, it's impossible when they get that burst of testosterone. I remember Lincoln, I saw him one day, all of a sudden he just jumped up and started running, just running in circles. And I cracked up. I'm like, oh, that's test right there. That's exactly what that is. Mm. Yeah. And, and go out like like even our eight year old, go out, run around the yard ten times. Yep. Like just yeah. go, go get it out. Go on a trampoline. And, get on your bike. Yeah, get, yeah, exactly. When when they do that, when they get the boys, especially physical, like they need to do something physical to get those hormones worked out. Yes. Girls were like, go to your room, hug your pillow, cry, listen to the radio, whatever. Like, just listen, read a book. I mean, just get them and let them be moody for a while. We don't have to fix them like I think that's one of the things like we don't Yay. have to fix our amen, amen. sister that's oh it. Trisha it. thank you you are just so <laughs> awesome oh, it's such so great it is so there's so much grace involved in this there's so much it's not you know call me an angry kid seems to be so much more about grace than about what to do you know like how to like train your child to like be better it's about loving them in a deeper way, which ultimately will bring them closer and closer to Jesus. Yeah, and letting them be who yeah. they are. Oh, my goodness. Thank okay. You. That's the whole point. Like, we want them to have a relationship with us. 
And a relationship is back and forth. It's communication. It's caring. It's compassion. It's empathy. Because we want them to understand what a relationship with God is. And I grew up like so fearful of God and doing anything wrong. And I didn't want that relationship because I'm like, I'm going to mess up. Like in high school, I'm like, forget it. I just can't get it right. So I'm just going to do my own thing. Mm -hmm. Teen pregnancy. I mean, all the things. But we, when we have compassion, when we have empathy, we're teaching them what a relationship with God looks like. Mm -hmm. You know what? I was going to ask you if you had closing thoughts, but I think that is fantastic. (laughs) That is exactly, exactly what we try to talk about at Rebel Parenting. And you're right. You know, that's why we tell kids, you know, the Fuller Youth Institute did sticky faith. How do you get your faith to stick to your kids? And the thing I remember most is tell them when you're wrong. Tell them when you fail because it shows them you will. I was telling my kid, most of life is failure. Like, I was a skateboarder growing up. I still skate a little bit today. And that's an interesting thing. Skateboarding is about failing about 10,000 times. Then you land a trick a few times. Then you move on to the next failing 10,000 more times. Yeah. It's just all failure all the time for those brief moments of, oh, I landed a trick. Well, I guess I'll do something different now. And just fail over and over. Most of life is that. And when you teach them that young, by showing them your own failures, it says... I can fail, I can go to mom and dad, and ultimately I can go to my heavenly father to receive the grace. Graham Cook said you can never do anything to make the Lord love you any less or any more. He always loves you. Amen. Amen. I love that. Thank you. We just think you're so great. We appreciate you being on Rebel today. Mm -hmm. I think you guys are awesome too. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, we'd love to do it again. Have a fantastic day. Okay, sounds great. Thanks, Tisha. Thank you so much to Trisha for coming on the podcast, giving us so much help, and her other books, The Scripts, where it's got things like, your kid says this, you can say this back, so you're not you know, going down to their level. It's got all these things to say in different scenarios. I love that book. I love it so much. Trisha Goyer, you can find her at trishagoyer.com, T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. That is some real-world help for parents right now. Also, thank you to The Voice of the Martyrs, persecution.com, our sponsor. Thank you so much for taking a risk with Rebel Parenting and our new sponsor, MyPillow, mypillow.com, code word rebel. Pick up a four-pack, lower right-hand corner, I think lower right-hand corner of the bot of their website. I don't know. Look for the four-pack, get them for you, get them for your kids, get a better night's sleep. I'm not kidding. I love my pillows so much. I got the travel ones. I got it for my kids. I got it for the atomic mom. She is super into my pillow. Mypillow.com. Use the code word rebel. God bless rebels. We will see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House. And when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting. Rebel Parenting.